Hey gang, thank you for tuning in to another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. You know, our goal here each episode is to get past the marketing hacks and down to the pay dirt. Those hard won, hard fought lessons learned by our guests, the marketing luminaries and industry experts that are all distilled down into very actionable cheat codes. And the best thing about it is that you can put these into practice immediately after each episode. I'm Sam Chapman, a Primo's content director, joined as always by our intrepid hosts and a Primo CMO, Ed Brialt. Ed, who are we talking to this week? David Lipsy. David is a digital asset management strategist, thought leader, advisor. He's pioneered the digital asset management space, and he's also a futurist for damn. I don't know if he's self-proclaimed as a futurist, but he certainly is to me. That's amazing. Uh, considering Dave's favorite game is pinball, <laughs> kicking it old school. I love that. But, you know, I, I'm excited about this episode because he's got some really novel ideas around the future of digital asset management, um, managing your digital currency, as he calls it, and how DAM is can be a taproot for growth across your organization. Absolutely. And his organization, the Centers for Advanced Studies in Digital Asset Management, as well as he's formulated a learning program at Rutgers University. You can actually go and get a digital asset management certification there. So he's really industry leading and I was really excited to have him on the show. Yeah, that sounds that sounds amazing. Let's get into it and I'll catch you on the flip side. Here we go. Hello folks, welcome to another edition of Marketing Cheat Codes. We have an awesome show today. Somebody whom I've looked up to for a long time who's pioneered the digital asset management space and is really driving the community around digital asset management, David Lipsy. David, welcome to the show. Ed, it's so nice to have a chance to catch up. Always great. We have so many good conversations and uh, to appreciate the chance to help continue to rise the tide and see where DAM can go. Love that. Um, so strategist, thought leader, you've done so much. The community around digital asset management, I feel like you're, that, that is your, I think it's your why, but I don't know. I, I want you to tell me, you, you do so much more giving than you do taking to that community. What led you there? And then we'll go back to where it started, but Talk to me about your passion for the, the community that surrounds Dan. Well, I think it's been so it's been such a privilege to be, to use that proverbial phrase, a little bit of present at birth, and then to see an unfolding of an application like this that has so many, so many, such a myriad of meaning of meanings, and to convene community around that. I think that the concept of, of community and of having the chance to almost be in a persistent round table of what else can we do and what can we do together to grow uh, is it's motivational to me. Uh, that coupled with a high tolerance of ambiguity has really helped. And as the, the embrace of digital continues to find boundaries that change so much, um, I enjoy that. Uh, I enjoy trying to respond to the organizational challenges that that presents or provide insight into that and seeing the, and I really have seen the landscape of this like that since the very early days of what we now call digital asset management and the broader digital marketing world that's continuing to unfold. 
That's awesome. I, I want to unpack a lot of that. Uh, but this is marketing cheat codes. Um, have you ever played video games in the past or any gaming experience that you want to share with the audience? We typically do that on this show. Uh, I think I, 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 I uh, let's see. While I've been involved with software for a long time, <laughs> I, I never particularly took to video games other than trying to de- trying to unpack how the, all the digital assets were in them. And how would you get a, a branded product, you know, a box of cereal or a can of soda pop into a video game? But boy, did I like pinball. <laughs> <laughs> and I still like pinball. So while I didn't, uh, didn't particularly engage in the, in the cheat codes for that, I always used to try to figure out how far could we go before we hit tilt. And I think that's a version of a cheat code. And understanding what the bonus structure was, like, you mean I can use that piece of content 16 times instead of only one? Um, Or I just got tilt because I just had an executive say to me, but David, we already did metadata. You know, another, so (laughs) it's speaking of tilt. So that's also pinball. Yeah. My favorite pinball game, it was actually the band Kiss, uh, Mm -hmm. Pinball Machine. That was the one that I was addicted to, I kept coming back to at the local pizza shop. Uh, in, 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 in gaming, they, in game design, game theory, they call that the core loop. And I, I feel like that's so applicable to marketing. What mm-hmm. is it that we're doing that keeps bringing folks back, bringing your customer back to, your, to consume your content experiences, to back to mm-hmm. the brand? Uh, there's so much, I think, uh, of a parallel there. Uh, that we need to think through. Um, do you find that to be true? Is that when when we think about um, building experiences and where Dam fits in, it's this this mission to bring folks continuously back to in- engage? I, I do. It's one of the things that makes Dam very challenging. Dam always sets a tap root in somewhere in an organization. It usually gets going. It's very often marketing and. And we get the answer to a lot of questions. Where's my logos? Where and I can I can now do things I couldn't do. The images we used last year, the video we just put out, I can transform it for social media. And there's a, a pretty invariable pattern that occurs where Dam gets going, and we'll we'll say it gets going in marketing because that is the most common budget that that enables a Dam acquisition and initial use. And then word gets out. Word spreads around a little bit. Like somebody will come over and kind of knock on the marketing door and go, hello, I'm here from trade shows. And we'd like to use, don't you have someplace we could start keeping all of our stuff? And the marketing department, uh, you know, that's pretty close by trade shows. Maybe it's in the same P&L. So Dam gets used for something else. And then fairly predictably, Ed, there's another knock on the door it's like the stranger coming to town. <laughs> and sometimes it's the archivist who says, we've got our corporate archives. They're in a traditional box and shelf archive. We need digital access because we're starting to use our legacy assets in our marketing campaigns. And it could be buildings and grounds. Um, a great use case for Dam about how's the, how are things supposed to look if there's repair going on. What better place to keep the repair records than in the digital asset management system? One source for our content. 
And at some point, and this is occurring a lot across the enterprise landscape right now, we need a cheat code that helps to explain, that helps a company come to realize that the organizational reporting line is fracturing. And that wonderful taproot, and we're hearing now from CMOs who say, wow, DAM is doing what I want it to do. We've got better agency workflows. We can do our campaigns. We're getting reporting. But I'm not here to manage the archives. It's not my PN, It's not my budget. I, I love our archives. But this is an organizational change management issue. And one of the landscape issues going on in DAM right now is the transference of the reporting line of DAM somewhere else. Um, I was in, involved in an executive meeting two, three weeks ago with an executive vice president of digital capabilities. Mm. What a great job title. That's a very cool job title. It was so neat. And it was indicative. He happened to report, it was a he, he happened to report up in the same where the CIO is parked, but this was not taking care of email and, you know, and the security, electricity, and stuff like that. This was, what does this kinetic, dynamic, changing world of digital mean for our customer enablement and our internal workflows and our manufacturing? And looking across the spectrum horizontally like that, that's a tough organizational nut to crack. Absolutely. I think you hit on something that is just something that needs to be demystified, which is damn is not just marketing. It's not just a place to park marketing content assets. It's the whole or it's an enterprise organizational initiative now where you've got the, these new roles emerging, which can oversee the organization digital capabilities for the entire enterprise. That is where we are today. I think it, it, it's exactly, it, it is exactly where we are today. It's a it's a hard role to govern to to figure out to figure out the compensation to figure out the governance, but it does place it does place damn I believe where it should be, which is this is an enterprise application layer, and it occurred to me when I tried to finally figured out what the heck this was, or I thought I did, that this had no there's no end zone with this. It's a it's a persistence of exploration. And I long ago had the idea that if we really do our job right in dam, it's going to be like the hot water boiler in the cold water thingy down in the basement of the building. And that's where dam should be. It's down there like electricity and hot water and cold water and heating or wherever all that stuff comes from. And if we do it right, somewhere up on the eighth floor, Ed, there's somebody who's the CMO going, look, I got all my marketing assets. Then on the ninth floor, there's somebody who's running manufacturing and product development. On the 10th floor, there's corporate social responsibility. On another floor, there's the archives. And they each have control over that thing down in the basement. So it's in high conformance to their workflows, the, the idiopathic, their idiopathic needs. But it's infrastructure. And digital currency is infrastructure, just like pennies and nickels and dimes and quarters and an occasional half dollar. Uh, and we need, I believe we need that kind of behind the wall system of management to have that at the ready 
for anybody anywhere with an understanding of risk and risk mitigation about it. That's awesome. It's a, it's almost dam is a utility. It's a, it's a service. It's a utility. It's a, it's, you turn that switch on and you've got access, you've got control, you've, you, you can have compliance. You can, mm-hmm. you can find it's, it's always on. It's a, it's around you when you need it. Uh, and it's at your fingertips. I think yeah, I like, I like that phrasing and, and it's dam has dam should dam is subservient to what's going on in marketing, whether it's a website, an email campaign, e-commerce, whatever that might be. Dam should be subservient to manufacturing workflows. Dam should dam can help to drive product development and all all kinds of things that are early on where dam can be helping with the traveling of say information that ends up in smart labels. I love smart labels and that work the workflows, but dam should just be a, a shadow behind the scenes there and work in support of our customer enablement or our if we're involved in the worlds that that measure their measure their impact by by services offered, I call them the mission and mandate industries or sectors. I'm sorry, sectors, the goodwill and the Red Cross and the Nature Conservancy and religious organizations, governmental organizations who don't make their mark and measure in life by profit and loss, but by people who are served. And, and DAM needs to, I believe, be with equal resilience and presence, helping that part of our world, um, which we all care about so much. Absolutely. Yeah, I've heard some visions for folks at various, um, the Nature Conservancy, a Primo customer, they're, you know, I'm massively inspired by them, their missions. It's mm-hmm. the common element is we've got a mission, we've got a story to tell, we need content to do it. We need to have capabilities within across our mission, serving up content and I, I like how you position it as, and I've heard folks call it this. I don't necessarily call it this, but they're where they want to get to is dam as a service. It's a, mm-hmm. it's a service that goes like to any of the endpoints you just mentioned it, that it's centralized, stored, managed, tagged in central location, but then can go anywhere your mission needs to go. The stories you tell, the channels you tell them through. Mm-hmm. And I think that's it's it's the opportunity Dam has to work in service of whatever organization it's in. Uh, Dam is a restless application, and it's one of the things that makes it difficult to manage and difficult to absorb organizationally. If when Dam is approached as an enabler to an enabler of a professional who's got a persistence of curiosity. DAM is a curious application. It's looking for new digital file types. I don't know if you read the story about the new base hologram show with Whitney Houston. That I didn't see it. I didn't hear that. No. Got, got going again in Las Vegas a couple of weeks ago. And this follows through technology that, that a company called Base Hologram has created that takes deceased artists and through an arduous workflow of rights clearances. Sure. Speaking of issues. Yeah gets the choreography, the costumes, the songs, the rights adjudication, the correct royalty adjudication, and creates a remarkable hologram. Wow. Started with Roy Orbison was one of the first ones. And there's Roy Orbison with the Los Angeles Philharmonic. Wait a minute, he's dead. 
And that's unbelievable. Yeah. <laughs> I got to see that. It looked up bass hologram and the Whitney Houston uh, teaser piece about 30 seconds is wonderful to see. And let's remember as a digital asset, that means that someone's managing software, not an image, not a drone footage, not video, not graphics, software. In addition, the kinds of uh, repurposing that that software has is the dam system should hold the procedures manual for when that show travels because the musicians are live. The, the staging is there are people in the audience they are staging, there's programs, there's merchandise. And then what do you do with the lighting and the sound and everything? So well, all, what's that, Ed? That's a style guide. Mm-hmm. What do we do in the first three years of, of dam? We did style guides for all the studios. And this is a 2022 version of a style guide. It's the same thing as taking sports content and getting the referee or umpire training material. Okay, if the ball hits up there, it's a home run. If it hits down there, it's just a double. And we take and re-slice, we slice the content for multiple purposes. And new digital file types provoke this. And also, it can drive management crazy. Yeah. Because unlike other infrastructure, you don't want your hot water pipes messing around. They got to work. Well, this this application provokes ambiguated endpoints. And it's one of the greatest difficulties in overseeing its growth that it doesn't because it, it, it will cause itself to not be pigeonholed as, yeah, boy, I got all my images ready to go. That's really so. I like how you describe you. Dam is restless. It wants new file types. It wants mm-hmm. to be neutral to file types. Uh, it should you shouldn't have hard plumbing, so to speak. Uh, mm-hmm. It needs to be able to adapt and be agile. You mentioned I've heard you say something like silly putty. What was your your statement around Dam is like silly putty? I think that's a really good visualization yeah, of it. I think it, it it is fun and it's fun because it, it, it awakens within us a lot of fun memories as yeah. being kids and taking the, it, taking the Sunday printed newspaper comics that were in color. Put it right on uh, there. Yep. <laughs> on there. And it's still sold today and it yeah. still kids still have fun with it today. And I think dam is like a big thing, a silly putty. Um, it's its own version of a Rorschach test. Dam, there's no inherent or intrinsic value to dam. Well, it has, I believe, the same level of auditability and severity as our ERP systems do, as SAP or Oracle Financials, as payroll. DAM has that level of sobriety to what it should be doing for managing digital currency. But then it's got this other kind of, it's a little playful, maybe, because silly putty should be a little bit of play. But DAM reflects the changing digital social history that we're living in. And in that way, it is like Silly Putty, except it's rolling over our lifetimes <laughs> and it's rolling over all these amazing technologies for production, like the base hologram. Look at the e-commerce, the boundaries of e-commerce today, and then picture just in the near future, electronic shelf labels at a grocery stores. Mm-hmm. And, and right now with, with me in DC and you in Pittsburgh, if we go to the grocery store, those shelf labels look like they did when we were playing with Silly Putty at a very young age. And you're thinking, wait a minute. Okay, it's got a UPC code. Okay. 
but the the capacity to have electronic shelf labels tie that into a picture of the product itself, then tie that into the what's the most frequently asked question at the grocery store? How much does it cost? What are the ingredients? Okay, you're not there yet. Where is where the where is the fill in the blank? And people are walking around a grocery store in a digitally connected world like we live in, where they know where everything is. There's an electronic planogram for the entire grocery store. But can you name a store that you've gone into and you've been able to just have the doodad and say, oh, I need I need cornstarch or something slightly obscure. And there's always something like that on the grocery list once a month. Well... This, this to me is damn helping to complete that circle and me being able to find that, connect into the grocery store and say aisle six. This boundary yeah. zone where it's, and that is absolutely going to happen and damn will be central to it. Yeah, that's all. I've always been the victim of, this is why I don't do a lot of the grocery shopping because it takes me 5X <laughs> longer. I think, you know, if I'm going to get cereal, I think I know where that cereal aisle is, but these stores are so smart now they're moving aisles around and changing. Cause there's like a science also within the store of pathways with people um, mm-hmm. to, you know, it's why they, they were putting like the milk in the back to force people to the back to go buy more. But I think, yeah, with these new emerging digital capabilities, then that whole um, shifting of the design of the store can be done digitally now. I'm sure that saves a, a ton of money too and, and get the same economic outcome. The same, the same economic and also a sense of enabling a, co, uh, what would we call it? A digital experience of kind of empathic to a lot of the ways we shop. So right now, if we go look up a recipe and you and I are going to cook something for Thanksgiving uh, and we looked it up, there's all kinds of recipe sites that generate a grocery list. This just takes that to the next level. And if your store of preference is here in DC, it could be the A-hold store that we have is Giant Food. There's a Wegmans here and and then and, and others. But each of those, if we're on their parochial sites, will generate the grocery list. No idea where the stuff is in the store. I'm thinking, <laughs> what? So just as one little particular example, and we pulled this silly putty ad to smart labels, one of the most fun and interesting aspects where the ingredients are there and someone can self-serve about self-service, follow a smart label and find out, wow, where's that vitamin C come from? Is it plant-based? Is it from shrimp bodies? Is it from pig knuckles? And like, oh, you know, I want a vegan-based vitamin C in my food product. Fun recipes for kids, country of origin for the fabrics that are used in the shirts we both have on, smart labels, washing instructions. If you happen to be the laundry elf in your house, we won't won't ask you about that, but we'll keep going. So, (laughs) And is it substantiated on the blockchain somewhere that it's true, like really came from shrimp or whatever. (laughs) Um, So David, this is marketing cheat codes. I know you brought up an awesome, very powerful cheat code uh, here today. You mentioned um, curiosity. Mm -hmm. That is something that is so powerful. I try to wake up every day and and I always want to be a student. I always, 
I've got the growth mindset. In the growth mindset, it's required to be curious with everything. Talk to me about why that's so powerful and it's your cheat code. Well, I think think it is my core cheat code, uh, a persistence of curiosity. I've thought for a long time that if we have a well-formed digital asset, it is like a suspended hologram hanging around and, and it's, it's emitting information about itself so that those who are curious can find me. And I think just unpacking that in terms of, wow, how do I manage that? Well, it means if I'm looking at metadata and there's street slang for a product that my company's bringing to market, I have to be sure my prospective customers who you go, who I'm marketing to or are coming to me finds, we'll call them street codes, or something, a, a slang term for a tennis shoe is a classic one, or a recipe that gets hot, a meme that gets hot. And I need to know that on my kind of suspended object up there that's emitting find me information, that I've got a workflow that allows me so that when there is a curiosity in the marketplace translating to an, a sales opportunity, that I'm able to embed that and damn, I think accommodates a lot of a, a willingness, has a willingness to accommodate that. And it, it is a wake up in the morning and think, what else can this do? Um, it, it makes it hard to manage because we need, we need the staffs who know how to manage it. Uh, one of the things that mitigated against Dan's growth is that it was seen as the library. Right. And this, and typically we, we have exquisitely educated professionals in library and information sciences. They're generally not, as a rule, drawn to change management. And the dialectic of organizational, organizational change as a career path, but that's also what this is, especially as it's grown. And I think some of tracking the history of DAM has suffered because of that where management, and this is something that, that, boy, Ed, if we could go on a roadshow and bring a bunch of people with us, I'd have the flying wing after the business schools. And I'd be, I'd be so honored to help the business, you know, where we're training the, the MBAs of our, our executive leaders to understand these cheat codes and to understand the pervasive nature of these technologies and the impact on how their entities are going to work, wherever they end up going to work, running a museum or running a multinational corporation. Let's, um, I, I want to know what your, your, what are you working on today? Your big projects. You talked about that. I know you're doing something absolutely special with Rutgers uh, university. I was, I, I found when I found out this existed, I literally fell out of my chair. I, I talked, Talk to the folks about what you're doing in higher education, this program you have, and um, just a little bit more about how it came to be. Uh, Thanks for that question. Uh, What what an utter delight to have been approached by Rutgers, Yona Levinson and I, uh, formerly of HBO, now with AdID. And we were approached by Rutgers about three years ago where the Dean of the School of Communication and Information Sciences, uh, Lilia Pavlovsky, said, I think there's an opportunity for a professional program. It's probably going on maybe close to four years ago now. And Yon and I had the chance to meet with the head of professional education, professional programs, and the Dean. And we pitched the idea. Uh, there's no, there was no 
place to go find damn education. There's a master's degree, which is a very different, that's not a kettle of fish, that's like a trawler of fish. Um, and we put together a proposal, Rutgers accepted it. And in September of 2019, we started the first cohort. We're nearing 600 course completions. Wow. It's just, it's a, it's just a joy. And to finally have been able to have found that Witten windmill and quit tilting at it, get it stood up. We just hired our 10th faculty member. And there'll be a new class that shows up in January about managing video assets. And it's it's the building blocks of DAM plus some things that make it special. DAM, uh, there's a course on rights. There's a course on managing video assets. We have a course going on right now about DAM for the DAM for glam. I heard about that. Yeah. (laughs) A lot of fun. And what we're trying to do here, this is professional education. And it's for dam managers who nobody went to school to be a dam manager, but there are thousands of dam managers. And we love having our dam professionals in the program. In addition, we live in a country where we have professional programs and we have community colleges. And these create lattice work for careers and for for the satisfaction that we want to have in our daily life. And this program at Rutgers, whether it's this or whether it's a professional program anywhere that we have, offer an enablement of opportunity for one's career. And we bring, we see, we have a lot, usually about half of any one class are someone who's making a career change. And, and what a delight that we have. And we have institutional structures in our country to facilitate that. So the program at Rutgers is growing this in next month. Um, We'll have our first symposium, and we're having a we're having the probably the leading one of the leading thinkers in social justice for museums is leading a symposium. She's one of the curators of the Smithsonian's 175th anniversary, wow. and about the digital aspects of remedy and repatriation. A fascinating, fascinating topical area with presentations from the University of Michigan Art Museum which has a large show about remedy right now. And then, and this is something in the heart of much of this, the Anchorage Art Museum and a tribal indigenous museum called the Chickaloon Nation in Alaska, who's creating a virtual museum. Oh, wow. So there will not be a a physical return of object, um, but a return of equity and IP. And of course, behind all of these in the shadow are the digital tools that make this possible. So that will continue. To, yeah, it'll be announced actually. Hopefully this week everything will be ready at Rutgers and we'll get the, finally get the announcement out. But um, there'll be much coming. And it's just been felt like a real career accomplishment for me um, to have that program get going at Rutgers. That's that's phenomenal. And David, you know, I love everything you're doing. Really appreciate your your focus on community and you're doing things that are much higher level than just commercial outcomes. And uh, that's to be admired. Um, so I want to thank you so much for coming on Marketing Cheat Codes. How can folks get in touch with you? I know Google will find you. Your, your works are pretty much uh, foundable uh, anywhere. But um, for folks who want to reach out and get in touch with you, what's a good method to do that? Probably the best thing, and it's not too hard to the, the geometry of this is not nearly as odd as digital asset management. 
but I started something called the Center for Advanced Studies in Digital Asset Management, or CASDAM. I've got and the maturity. I, I'm looking at the capability model right here. It's 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 phenomenal. go for it. It is it is the keel that can set an organization's. Where's the clipper ship going to go? The dam capability model is just what you need. And so it's david.lipsy at casdam.com, C-A-S-D-A-M. And there's some fun things coming out this coming year um, that will continue to amplify a better understanding of talent management and career direction for the many thousands of professionals who are earning their living in our worlds today. And that's Casdam's 2022 mission is to let's get HR and talent management involved in this so that there is we have a, a more solid understanding of the compensation models that should bring appropriate reward to professionals who are earning their living in the worlds that we're talking about and not have this grounded in what a school librarian was paid in 1964. And, uh, we're going to bring an end to that. Elevate it. That's beautiful. Yeah. Wonderful. David, thank you so much for coming on the show, sharing information. And we're going to make sure our audience gets uh, gets the model and uh, gets access to your wonderful works. Uh, thank you so much. Great. Take care, Ed. Have a good holiday. You as well. Thank you, everyone, for joining us today for another episode of Marketing Cheat Codes. I want to thank our guests for their time and everyone out there in a primo land for listening. This episode was written, mixed, and produced by Glenn McManus. Our associate producer is Noah Horberg. Our production coordinator is Izzy Herbst. And our creative director is Sonny Okamoto. Our series is hosted by Ed Briald. And I'm your co-host, Sam Chapman. If you like what you're hearing, please rate us or review us everywhere you listen to podcasts. And be sure to keep the conversation going by following us on LinkedIn and Twitter. If you have a topic you'd like to hear us discuss or want to be a guest, head on over to the URL in the episode description and drop us a line. Until next time, thanks for listening.